Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's like you want to be one of these artists that's like, I didn't even care. Like, I didn't even want to be famous. It just fell onto my lap. I just wanted to make music and all of a sudden here I am. No, like I planned for this for years. (laughs) You're listening to the Vocal Girls podcast with me, Megan Gray. In this podcast, I speak to artists about their past, present and future and the music and memories that intertwine those experiences. Before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to let you know that there is strong language used as well as references to drug misuse and conversations around mental health. If you or someone close to you is struggling with addiction or mental health, then there is free support available. You can call Samaritans 24 hours a day, every day of the year for free on 116123. And I've also left some information and addiction resources in the show notes of this podcast. So please do access those if you need to. This week, I'm speaking to the one and only baby queen, a.k.a. Bella Latham. I don't want to be a buzzkill. I hate to be a buzzkill. After signing to Polydor in 2020 and releasing a string of singles including Buzzkill, Raw Thoughts and U-Shaped Hole, Bella bagged instantaneous plays across BBC Radio, making a name for herself with irreverent, honest and candid lyrics over pop music. In 2021, Bella dropped her debut mixtape, The Yearbook, and this year she's already been listed on the BBC Sound Off poll, announced a headline tour of her own, as well as support for Olivia Rodrigo, no less, on the European leg of her tour. In this episode, we chat about the music Baby Queen grew up with, her obsession with grammatically correct lyrics, and the struggles of dealing with mental health and your identity whilst in the public eye. Hello, Bella. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I mean, not that good. Like, fucking exhausted. <laughs> We've been through that already. Can I swear or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All okay, good to okay, swear. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. this isn't... Thank God. Do you know children. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck children. Okay. <laughs> this is a good way to start. Yeah. We hate Fuck kids. Fuck children. <laughs> so, the last two years have been a complete whirlwind for you. You yeah. have released your own album mixtape. And just announced a supporting tour with Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, man. Like, it's it's just been... I just kind of, like, I don't even remember how it happened. I feel like I just got hit over the head with, like, a brick, and then I woke up, and here we are. That's one of those things. I always think, do you ever get time to stop and be like, what the hell is actually going on? I'm like, I always live in the future, so you're always waiting for the next thing to happen, mm. and so, by the time something happens, it feels like the logical next step. But then sometimes when something really big happens, like, I remember I announced the Olivia support tour and a BBC sample on the same day. And I went home that night and I was like, we made it boys. <laughs> like I was like, let's go. And got really drunk and threw up on the floor. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, there's some moments where you, you just have to take it in. Yeah. You know, for a day. And then the next day you're like, okay, now I've got to do the next thing that's bigger than that. 
I guess um, you almost, in a way, have to do that to stay sane, don't you? Because if you were to, like, actually let all of that sink in each moment, that is probably something you dreamed of when you were a kid. Like, each single thing. You would probably go mad. Exactly. And I think because because you experience all the steps of it, you don't just suddenly one day wake up and then you're here. Yeah. You have to go through every single step to get there. So by the time those crazy things happen to you, you kind of feel like, yeah, go on then. Like, you kind of (laughs) feel like, yeah, like... I work for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it, it is a weird one, but I'm I'm trying to like live more in the present and not um you know, put everything on the future because you end up not having fun with it because yeah. you're so stressed out that you're gonna fail. Yeah, you like, miss it. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like that is that is like the, the curse of creativity, isn't it? You're so worried Literally. about the product actually being good yeah that you miss all the moments that are happening in the creation of it but you can't like you that that i think that that's part of like what ambition is is that if we ever got comfortable if you ever get comfortable and feel like i've done it Mm. then you've got nothing driving you to wake up and write another song so you have to keep wanting more than you have if i could ask you to put a sort of moment that was the most surreal for you out of the last two years could you pick something? Um, I think you know the live shows were crazy. They were they were the the Reading Festival show mm. was a crazy moment. Like I didn't think anyone would come to the set, and it was like this, <laughs> like people were like spilling out the sides of the tents, and that was insane. And then we had these three London headline shows in November, which was in a new level of insane because. At a festival, it's sort of people that like were like, okay, what should we do? Or like drag their friend to the set. But at your show, it's sort of, you know, your people. Yeah. And that was properly insane. But I think that's what it is. Like those moments where you actually get to see the feedback from the crowd. Otherwise, the rest of the time, you're just sort of doing your own thing. But when you get to see how that affects people and like the emotion yeah. in their face when they're like singing a lyric back to you that's crazy like no one can prepare you for that like the full reward of it i suppose yeah it's and that's like complete out of body experience like it's not me on the stage it's like i'm literally like floating above my head that's wild people are gonna be like this girl is actually cracked i do feel like that especially like when you've kind of flourished so much in a time when everyone couldn't go to gigs that smack around the face with oh my god, this is how many people over here to see you must just be so intense. It's insane, because we couldn't do anything. I mean, like, I signed my record deal before releasing the first song over Zoom. So, like, everyone was... (laughs) The whole label was (laughs) on the Zoom call. I was in in, in my my aunt and uncle's kitchen. And then we were like, woo! And then logged off. And and that was That's so weird. And so, like, (laughs) the first shows we played were, like, like, four months ago. Um... And it's, yeah, it's it's a totally different experience. Like, you don't really understand who you are as an artist before you can play mm. it live. Yeah. What song did you pick for your past choice and why? So, like, there was this one side of me that was like, I have to look like I'm really... You know how, like, you tailor your... your, your, your tro- <laughs> yeah. You're told to choose music and you're like... Well, I'm going to choose this, like, incredible song by, like, Radiohead. That's just... Do you know what I mean? Like, that would yeah. just be a lie. So I, I went for, like... This is, like, real honesty. Like, the past of my music... We've gone for You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. 
excellent um, choice excellent you choice. have to you have to i'm not gonna lie i would have been really surprised if you didn't pick taylor swift because <laughs> yeah. i, I, I would have been like you would have been like liar because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i've been doing my research i i did find that you were quite a hefty taylor oh swift fan. yes <laughs> had the fan page and everything is there a specific memory that you associate with this song I think you know this song was was sort of like when I first discovered I was I think I was like 13 14 and I was in South Africa and I I I, it was just after I'd just seen the love story music video and that was like I was like oh my god who is this person and I think with that song like watching that music video and I was just like seeing this girl that was writing songs on her guitar and I was like damn I've got to get a guitar and it was like that's that's why I got my guitar so I mean like that whole album just in general was like the first thing that because you know you listen to your parents music and you listen to you know and there's all of that but this was the first thing that I got I mean other than like the Twilight soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Swift's this album was the first thing that I got obsessed with you know when you like yeah you just are up all night like you learn all the lyrics to everything and and that was my introduction to be it wanting to be a musician Mm. like I didn't have that before I knew she I knew about her and I was like oh you can do it so do you think there's something about her that made you think that you could do it too? I just saw this person that more than anything, like, I, I think when you when you get obsessed with a musician in this way, it's not like you don't know whether you're in love with them. Mm. You don't know whether you want to be their best friend, but you just are obsessed with, I mean, I was just like, this is like, she's a genius, like the lyrics and and you know, at the time, it was like this is she's. I was, I'd fallen in love with this. Like I was thirteen, and there was this guy, this boy that I'd seen running with a rugby ball at a party, <laughs> and he had a girlfriend at the time. So I was like, "You belong with me." Um, but yeah, just everything about her, like she was just. I mean, I sound like I'm talking about like my high school crush. Everything about I loved everything about her. She just made me laugh and made me feel less alone and. I just watch her tour movies and I just felt like she was me. Like she yeah. was what I wanted to be. Yeah. You know? I do feel like she has that impact on fans. Like yeah. people people either feel like completely obsessed with her or just not into her at yeah, all. I mean, you feel like you know her. That's yeah. the thing. And, and what a wonderful person to raise your kid. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can choose a number of people for your kid to be obsessed with. And in later years, you know, I got obsessed with like some crazy ass people out there but like Taylor Swift I I would want my kid to be raised on Taylor Swift you know oh, she's she's like a good she's like a she's the best for it <laughs> by the sounds of it I'm sure if you do have kids they will be raised on Taylor oh, Swift I'm, I'm not never having kids but if I do they will be false Taylor Swift only. put them in like a podcast room and put Taylor Swift on <laughs> locked in forever. yeah so decided you wanted to be a musician and then you're originally from South Africa so yeah. you moved here at 18 on your own, which seems such a huge thing to do when you're so young. Seems crazy in hindsight, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, was that terrifying? I mean, I think I was like running on the adrenaline of this dream. Mm. And yeah, super scary, but you've got this thing in the back of your mind that's like, this is what I'm doing. And you have this golden idea of what it's going to be like. 
you know, I, I didn't, you can't imagine what a city is like before you live there. You, I had like, oh my God, I was crazy. I had like these notebooks of where all the record labels were, all their addresses. I'd been like building it up for years. Wow. I, I made like an Excel spreadsheet of every single music publication, you know, mm. um, none of them replied to me. Mm, standard. standard. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was a huge reality shock and yeah. very depressing. It was like, you know, my music wasn't good enough. That was the truth. Mm. Like, if I listen back to what I, I came here with these little demos, that's my noisy coat falling <laughs> off the bench. I was like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I came here with these little demo CDs that I printed out and like slotted these like printed pieces of paper into the front of these plastic CDs. <laughs> you know, if I listen back to that now, it really wasn't, it wasn't good. Like it was just, you could see the potential of someone that could write a song. Mm -hmm. But I think that it, it had to take all that like, fuck, everyone's a musician. Everyone's doing this. Everyone's good. Yeah. Everyone can sing. Everyone can write a ditty. Yeah, it took me ages to figure out what it was about me that was different to everyone else you know which it which is like the lyric and the tone of voice and the, mm. the satire and that sort of thing but it did take a very long time and a lot of really negative experiences that impacted me in a way that I got really like negative and really jaded mm. and like I was affected by London and then that's why my music feels like London because you know what I mean it yeah. doesn't feel like a South African Song. How did that sort of time, you know, you say when you came to London and you just realised you felt like everyone was doing it. I mean, how does that how does that make you feel when you first have that realisation? Yeah, so that was so depressing. I mean, I moved here and then I was... Uh, so my mum's sister and her husband live here and their three kids who are my little cousins who are kind of like my siblings now because... Mm. I've lived with them for so long, but yeah. I moved into their house and was like living in my cousin's bed, sleeping with him in the same bed every oh. night. Um, and I just got so depressed, like so depressed. And I couldn't, it was just a really, really dark time. And then I went through like, and then they were like, you have to go to some sort of music college or something. Cause you're just sitting here all day doing nothing mm. because I just sit there and like make songs on my iPad and do nothing with them and then I'd try and do like a little open mic gig here and there no one gave a shit mm. like made no money I was broke and then I went to this music college and dyed my hair black and lived on a boat and got tattoos and kind of went crazy and like went off the rails and then and then I remembered, I always like in the back of my mind had this thing where I was like, I'm really good at this. Mm. Like I'm the best, you know, and you have to, you have to you be have to like, have that. you have to be irrational you, to keep on doing this. You have to be fucking crazy, like yeah. out of your mind to think that you're going to come over here and that's going to work out for you. And you keep, you never give up. Like I refused to get a job. My mm. parent, my, my family was like, you have to get a job because this is like, ridiculous like where are you gonna live and I was like if I get a job that's admitting to failure yeah it's like so the dream's can't... over kind of exactly thing. horrific you know but the only reason that things can feel you can feel accomplished by the journey is because it was so shit like imagine if you arrive and it's so easy yeah. 
you know what what have you got to I mean I I've grown I've, I've changed completely as a person yeah I was gonna say it sounds like if it had all worked out then that it wouldn't be anything like the same no way music and you wouldn't be the same artist as what we know now (laughs) it sounds like it was all really necessary but it's so easy to say that in hindsight isn't it i know and you always do like anything bad happens to you and it is really true you're like that was a blessing in disguise Mm. but at the time it's like someone says that to you and you're like you need to shut up immediately like yeah (laughs) thinking about every breakup i ever had oh yeah no um but but yeah it was it was completely completely so character building it really is true like the worst shit that you go through it like makes you as corny as it is it makes you who you are it gives you your sense of humor yeah that's it and i've heard you say in interviews before that like you have been in the past frustrated that it didn't happen quicker for you so that you were younger when it happened do you think that that is kind of symptomatic of how the music industry is so obsessed with youth and particularly the youth of young women as well. Yeah, in my head, um, when I was younger, 18 was too old. That's mad. So when I left school, I thought I've got one year to do this. And that's why it was so depressing because I obviously didn't do it in that mm. one year. And yeah, I mean, I think I think it's because, I mean, and then there's like, and then Billie Eilish comes along yeah. and she's like, and I was like, oh, Billie, stop, like. <laughs> there's always someone on the radio and they're like and they've made this themselves in the room and they're just 12 and yeah like... and, and they just came out the womb in <laughs> fact they were writing this tune in the womb like <laughs> the womb song it's like fuck off yeah i mean i still feel that way i mean i'm 24 now and i still feel like fuck like i'm too like i'm i'm six years too old but but in ha- like to be honest, I couldn't have done it back then because my music was shit. So, yeah. you know, it just, it is what it is. And, like, I feel like I'm a kid in a grown-up's body. Like, I feel, like, more immature than any of those young musicians. Yeah. So, you know, and and what you realise is that y- your connection that you have with the people that you listen to your music, they don't really give a shit how old yeah. you are. Exactly. Obviously, finally, the dream did come true in 2020 and you signed to Polydor, as you said, on Zoom, which is strange, I imagine, after all that waiting. (laughs) Um, The first track you released was Internet Religion. I remember hearing this track and being being so, whoa, that is someone who knows who they are as an artist. The first line, death and guns and beating the gay kids up, it doesn't happen to you, so why give a fuck? I was like bloody hell (laughs) that is so powerful especially like within a pop genre why is it that you wanted to choose that to release as your first single so um when I met with Polydor um it was a weird thing because I was sitting on like an album's worth of music and I'd been working with the same producer for a year and we said to we they met me having not heard music i don't know what it was like it's crazy they were like found me on instagram and then messaged me saying can we have music so and so weird what and then <laughs> after all that writing the label after <laughs> all of that they were like she looks cool <laughs> like how did they know and then yeah and then and then i sent them the music 
and it was just like I mean we fell we fell in love like my A and R team we just like it was like when when we had that meeting it was just like love at first sight and then um and then yeah I mean I think we we had all this music and it all felt like we had U shaped hole we had raw thoughts we had yeah because that Buzz was the Kill. first track that you wrote under Baby Queen wasn't yeah it? raw yeah. thoughts yeah. Um, but that like we weren't ready for it you know and then internet religion was like the newest song we wrote and I they got sent that as a demo and that that song sealed the deal like for me like that was for them that was Mm -hmm. like where they decided this is we're doing this and and that song I think it just felt so like there's no other song that you can that that can define what baby queen is more than that song yeah I mean, Buzzkill's really good as as like as a as a as a blueprint, but Internet Religion is kind of like a statement of intent of like, this is what kind of artist I am. Yeah, because you're actually saying it, don't you? Like, yeah. this is my political position. Yeah, literally, it's like it's like <clears throat> I'm here to be to make uh, social socio political statements. Yeah. Over pop music, you know, that's it. And why do you think that doing that is more? powerful you know in your genre I suppose I think um I mean I think people are sick to death of love songs I think you know I think it's so what makes me love doing it and when I lose my love for songwriting what helps me find it again is the duty that you have to an idea to explain it Mm. you know it's sort of like this is such like I've had this thought like let me flesh this out and like I think I think that there was like a shift in music where pop music was shit for a long time I think it was actually trash for years yeah sorry to all those pop stars (laughs) but I think it was fucking shit and then we had like Billie Eilish coming through and all these artists that like the biggest pop songs in the world were intelligent and they were no longer shit. They mm. were like, the lyrics were dealing with mental health and dealing with actual real things that the kids were going through. And I think that that is so important. And pop music means popular. It just mm. means that the biggest amount of people are going to be listening to your voice. Are you going to say, I want to kiss you in the club? Or are you going to say, death and guns and beating the gay kids up? Like, it's your choice, I'm saying. <laughs> death and guns and beating the gay kids up. So I saw you posted on Instagram a list of alternative names. Oh, babe. <laughs> to baby I've queen. dug myself this whole, like... <laughs> How did you end up settling on Baby Queen and where did the other ones come from? Well, I mean, let's just for the listeners' sake go through some, some of the best here. We've got 40 Pound Debt, which is a personal favourite. The 424, named after the London bus. There's Suicide on the London Underground, as in, like, this is internet religion by Suicide on the London Underground. Like, oh my god, that's exhausting. (laughs) It's like, you want to be one of these artists that's like, I didn't even care. Like, I didn't even want to be famous. It just fell onto my lap. I just wanted to make music, and all of a sudden, here I am. No, like, I planned for this for years. And and this was the kind of thing that I did, like, making these lists of, like, okay, what is the what is how are we gonna do you know what I mean and I think that 
I needed the name to be lilac purple. I needed it to be that color. Mm. And I needed it to feel childish. And I needed it to feel like there were like some points that I had to hit. So there were a lot of names in there like pop queen, baby girl. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like, I needed it to be that color, weirdly. And then with baby queen, it just, I was going to be pop queen. Pop queen. But then someone said, if you search pop queen on Google, Madonna's going to come up. And I thought, fuck Madonna. (laughs) So we just, yeah, we just sort of went, I just decided, my family were like, you're calling yourself what? It's like baby queen. And they were like, that's shit. And I was like, no, just wait, I promise. This is going to make sense. Well, you're proving them wrong now. (laughs) Yeah. Now they're like, we always liked it. We liked it from the beginning. (laughs) It's really interesting to to say that you thought about it in terms of a visual aspect, because that does something that strikes me about you is it seems to be you're kind of through and through who you are as an artist and it feels like you know your whole aesthetic your sound like everything is really authentic so it's interesting to know that it actually came from a place of the name also had to be the visual representation as well yeah I mean like and it makes sense now because I feel like you've got the childish baby the regal queen it makes mm. sense that the person behind the lyrics is baby queen it yeah. makes sense it's and like an oxymoron it is yeah. and and baby queen is I separate it from myself a lot so I talk about baby queen in the third person like I'll be like hey guys what's your favourite baby queen song or like you know it's mm. like you separate yourself from it like even though it's me it's like it's the work of, I don't know. For me, it's 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 like a, it's a person. Like I I know her. You mm. know what I mean. Do you think that helps you, when with your persona when writing and being on stage? Then, definitely. I mean, I think that Baby Queen is just like the the, the very extreme parts of myself. Mm. So it feels like it's like you know, the part of me that's like, do yeah. everyone look at me? And then it's like the really thoughtful side but um but yeah it does help it does help to know because I could sit down and write a song that goes I mean I could write any song you could go write a rock song specifically to write a baby queen song the lyrics have got to be like cheeky Mm -hmm. they have to be so I mean like I've tried you try to write other types of songs but like the ones that feel the most intrinsically so you tailor your writing you have to, yeah. because otherwise anyone can make music. I mean, you, I could go make a jazz song where the lyrics are talking about like a blue sky and using similes and mm. analogies and describing, but that's not what Baby Queen is at all. Yeah. It's very like blunt, very like, this is how it is. This yeah, is exactly like how it is. Very yeah. forthright, very Matty Healy yeah. types of lyrics, yeah. you know, very candid Mm. and shocking and sort of like whoa did that person just say that um yeah so it's interesting it's 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 very interesting um it's like the character development of baby queen helps the writing process exactly the more you understand what it is it's a very weird i've got like the most massive identity issues like (laughs) literally i'm like does lady gaga go through this like because if you name yourself taylor swift you can't separate yourself from yeah, Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah. That's your name. But obviously my name's not Baby Queen. Mm. You know? And so it's very clear that like it's it's really odd, like I've got issues. I think that's <laughs> I think that's kind of probably healthy and a relief in a way, because you don't always have to be 
that extroverted version of yourself exactly. all the time because yeah. nobody is like that all the time so it's probably healthier anyway it's good you can be Bella and then sometimes if I go out like I've been known to say baby queen's coming out tonight or like <laughs> that was very baby queen of me do you know what I mean like you do something crazy and you're like whoa baby queen really came out there <laughs> so it's kind of like you get someone else to blame as well you know it wasn't me like that was baby queen it's I think crazy. I might start a new persona <laughs> yeah, to do that <laughs> On to the present section. What song did you pick for this and why did you choose it? So this is a weird one because this song is actually... don't even know when it was released. Um, it's called You and Me Song by The Wanna Dies. And obviously I feel like everyone kind of knows that song. You and me always and forever. Yeah, when I saw um, this I was like what is that song again? As soon as I played it, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the reason that's my present song is because it's one of those songs that you hear throughout your life. I mean, like, you've, you hear it. You've mm. heard it on the radio and you hear it. And and then I, I found it on Spotify, like, the other day. And I was like, if I... And I mean, like, this album that I'm writing now is incredibly, like, inspired by the 90s. Like, I... Mm. This last year... My, I mean, my most played artist on Spotify last year was actually The Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, really? Yeah. And it, that was, you know, and then, like, it was all 90s. That's what I... Because I, I feel like I missed the 90s rock thing mm. because my parents listened to, like, soul and funk and jazz. So I never got that 90s rock. Like the grungy, like... Yeah, yeah. You're, the start of Wannabe actually sounds very 90s it's very like loser by Beck, mm, you know mm. like that's what i that was what i was getting into as i was making this album so i found this song by the wanna dies and i thought if i turned up to my manager and said listen to this chorus i've just written my manager's actually sitting in the room we're actually making eyes at each other right now she's smiling and giggling <laughs> look at her she knows if i said to her babe listen to this and i played that song what would you think whoa exactly she just said whoa she said whoa so my whole thing in my head is like yeah i've written some great songs but have i got that song yeah because that's like that song would complete my album and it would be the best song on my album and like this is my new obsession is saying like i don't have i've never ever had a chorus as good as that and it's like one of those things where it's undeniable like you hear the song and it's it just is a hit. Like, it just mm. is. I do the verses differently. I love those verses, but they're not Baby Queen. But at that chorus, yeah. I just take it. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those songs that people just subconsciously know the words of that chorus, even yeah. though they don't know that they know the song. It's like you've known the melody your whole life. Yeah. You know, before you heard it, you knew it. Mm. And there's a few... And I mean, it's that song's not a big hit, but I just... I mean, it's not like a huge song, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, that's my new thing of like... I need to write that song. But obviously that one's already been written. So I need to write a different version of that song. So that's like, yeah, that's my mission at the moment. That song is literally playing in my ears permanently. It's like your bar, basically. That's my bar. Yeah, that's my bar. And who knows if I'll get there. We're going to keep chipping away. And when I do, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to say, what do you think when you hear this chorus? And you're going to go, whoa. Whoa. That's the reaction we're looking for. <laughs> Manifest it and it will happen. Manifestation. <laughs> You've obviously talked a lot before about 
kind of being really honest and forthright in your writing about kind of what's really going on in your life and I think that's one of the things that I've personally found so refreshing about your music. Why is this so important to you? I mean, I think I am just like a very honest person. I don't feel freaked out by telling people that I've just met everything about Mm. me. So I would meet someone and be like, I'm depressed. I was totally suicidal in 2016. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, just everything, you know? You just will, will just... I feel like that's my way of... I don't know why I do that, but I immediately like get closer to people much yeah. easy, much easier because of it. And I think what I I loved Taylor Swift's music. I loved it, but when I heard the nineteen seventy five, I thought, and it's again one of those things where you're scared to speak about these influences because everyone else is saying that they were influenced by, like, fucking I don't know those like every great musician like oh David Bowie influenced me to like no he didn't at all so when I heard the 1975 that was like when I realized how intelligent lyrics could be Mm. you know like Matty Healy my heart is telling me the telly isn't telling me anything I need it just needs to keep selling me besides celebrities lacking in integrity holding up the status quo instead of showing the kids that they matter like crazy and I was like I was like, this is what pop music has the potential to be. Mm. Like, wow. Like, and I like the fact that you could listen to that and like, say what you want about him. Do you know what I mean? People have got a lot to say, I feel, but he's a genius. Mm. Like, and you hear that and you're like, whoa, you're fucking intelligent. And I just started to think what a waste of, what a waste of breath, you know? if you're not talking about real things. And and I love that shock factor of like, we're fucking in a car, shooting heroin. I was like, this is fucking insane. And I think that that, that honesty, it means that you don't have to like out, outright stand for something. You don't have to outright start any kind of movement. You don't mm-hmm. have to outright say, I'm doing this or I'm standing here for the kids. Like what, you just are because you're just being real and I I think that like if I had someone when I was younger saying I struggled with drugs I hate my body I I'm not giving you any solutions but you feel less alone yeah you know there's this feeling of like there's a feeling of a movement and unity without having to mobilize anything you Mm -hmm. don't have to try because it's just the honesty is what is drawing people in and allowing them to open themselves themselves to you Um, so I think that that's been like one of the biggest, one of the biggest things. And, and like the people that listen to my music, I feel like I feel so close to them because a lot of them have been through extremely similar things. And it's sort of like when you write the song, you think nobody, nobody's going to feel this. I'm like, this is a new feeling. This is a new thought in my head. And everyone does. Yeah, it's the, that's the crazy thing is like you don't you don't think that you're doing you don't think that you're doing that and then it comes out and everyone goes thank you for putting my thoughts into words but at the time you're just doing it for yourself you know well that's what's so much better about like hyper specific lyrics because you might connect to less people but the connection that you have with them is so much stronger exactly and even with like you know artists like um 
like Phoebe Bridges and Holly Humberstone and even like Olivia Olivia Rodrigo as well like it's a different kind of song but it's also got those really hyper specific moments even if they're talking about romance or something it's like they'll speak about Phoebe Bridges will speak about the the therapist that she said do you know what I mean and it's like people relate to they don't relate to that exact situation but it, it completely hits you so much harder when you can actually hear the person's story behind it and you're not just saying like like oh i want to kiss you in the club and <laughs> you are fit and like do you know what i mean like that's so boring like yeah. anyone could write that for you and it probably is some 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 guy in the, in a studio that's 50 years old that's written that song for yeah. like a young girl we, like people want to hear your experience yeah they want to feel like you sat and wrote that song by yourself in a room and what do you think is the hardest part about that honesty I think the hardest part about that honesty, I think, is creating boundaries for yourself. So you put yourself out there in that kind of way, and then it becomes really, really hard to separate yourself from the thing that you've created, you know? And this is where, like, the identity comes back yeah. into play, because it's sort of like, what do you, what is yours? What do you keep for yourself? Yeah. You know? And... I think that there's a certain level of like when you're super super honest I feel like I don't know I just feel like you don't you don't 100% feel like you're, you you all your experiences become shared you yeah know what I mean but I, I mean I I honestly have never really had like it's a question that has come up a lot like do you is it hard to be that honest is it difficult like has mm. it been and I just don't think so. Like, the hardest thing is to, like, have it be authentic. And this is the hardest part now of, of being, like, I'm so happy in my life now. And then I want to go and write a sad song. And it's, like, sometimes I'm, like, do you really feel that way? And yeah, like, is it harder to write when you're happy? It It is about certain things, you know. Like, it is harder to find the extreme emotion in something. Like... I've got a lot of like songs at the moment that are very, very like making statements about what I see, which is like internet religion is like that. Yeah. A lot of my music is like that, but like this, the side of things that are really like, whoa, this hurts to listen to, or like this hurts to write, that's been harder to find. And then sometimes you're trying to do that. And I, and then I make this lyric, like, would anyone even care if I died? And then I'm like, is that real? Like, oh, you're just being, like, a bit dramatic there. So I just, like, being... You, you really have to be honest here. Like, you really... Like, that's my thing. It's, like, be honest, like, in these lyrics. Don't just try and be clever. Like, come on. Like, what is what are you actually feeling? And so then, when you're good, write a happy song. Yeah, write a happy <laughs> song. Write a song about, like... Dude, it's been, to be honest, impossible. I'm, like, dying for someone to break my heart. Like... <laughs> desperate honestly oh my god do not say that <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. break my heart you know what it's not actually possible for someone to break my heart because i get i get obsessed with someone once every five years and okay if i end up dating that person that's the only time my heart can get broken right and my latest obsession was jodie comer from killing eve but she's got a boyfriend okay so you're safe for a while then i'm safe for a while and like i came to terms with that i was like right i'm just gonna let you know 
I'm, I'll watch her from a distance. <laughs> and I'm going to, and then my new one's going to come in the next five years. Maybe they'll break my heart. But we've got a long way to go because I'm still trying to like get over the fact that she's not dating me. <laughs> yeah, I heard you wrote some songs about her. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. This little rumor. This little rumor has spread around London, hasn't it? Yeah. You know what? Um, I've wrote multiple songs about her. <laughs> I like and 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 is it um, the Jodie Comer album, babe? Like the album's called Jodie Comer. <laughs> no, it was. It was like when I first started making the album, it was more pop, and we made like an album, and now we're making another album because we sort of like changed everything, and we were like, we're oh, doing that's this interesting. now. Um, but there were a lot of. Jodie Comer's essentials on that so maybe one day put it in a little mixtape for her send it over to Liverpool say here you go babe are you sure you still want to be with that boyfriend of yours <laughs> fingers crossed you never know she's um, going to be like fuck off stop stop leave me alone she could be a multitude of different accents coming back couldn't she yeah. so I noticed that you you speak a lot in your songs you kind of do a lot of like spoken words yeah, 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 how yeah. did that come about like what inspired that and made it feel right for you okay let me tell you the story so actually in hindsight the f- one the, some of the first songs I ever wrote um had talking in them when I was 14 like in an American accent but it's interesting to know that that was like always and I've never had an influence that spoke in music. So that was a new thing for me. Like, I didn't listen to... And there is so many... There's so much talk singing. Yeah. I mean, it's been around for years, talk singing. Um, but you know what happened? It was Buzzkill, and I'd written the chorus, uh, the, oh, boy, here comes the killjoy, and then I don't want to be a Buzzkill. And then I went away and wrote these lyrics that I thought were fantastic on the train, brought them in, and I said, I don't have a melody for these and I don't want to find one. Like, yeah. it's not going to work. Can I just speak them? And then my producer was like, give it a bash. And I went in there and I spoke them. And that's when that changed everything. Because after I'd done that once, I was like, I hate melodies. They are so inconvenient for me because... I love words and words are very specific like I love poetry and the syllables of words and the way that one word flows into another word is very dependent on the letters at the start and end of each word and like sometimes words you you can't like you have to change words in songs because it doesn't flow properly or like and I hate melodies and I find them to be the most annoying thing if you've got a set melody like Da, 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 you've got a set amount of syllables that you can yeah. use but when you're just talking you don't you're like forget that those rules let me actually focus on the words because that's what's Im- important here yeah. yeah i i think people seem to be either one or the other don't they like word focus even in listeners like i'm totally words and actually I was going to say to you it's funny that you mentioned Buzzkill because that's my favourite song of yours I think no way yeah. me too is it I think I mean I think like I don't think it's the best one but I think it's my favourite I, I just really like the words in the in the spoken bit like I really you know when you say good things happen to people that are bad also funny funny you bring up that line because 
there's so I feel like there's so many things in this you know when you like go to poetry class and the teacher unpacks a poem and it's like this is what the poet poet meant yeah and the poet definitely didn't mean that yeah but this poet meant a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> so like we like those little like opposites like we like the good things happen to people that are bad and do you know what I mean yeah. it's like it's like I feel like I want every single line to be a clever standalone sentence yeah and I like it to make grammatical sense. So a lot of pop songs, like Hit Me Baby One More Time, for example, they wanted to say hit me up one more time, but there weren't enough syllables. Right. So they just went hit me baby one more time. I can't do it because mm. I, I, I just, if it doesn't make grammatical sense, yeah. which is, I was like, I'm like the grammar police. Like I used to print <laughs> off sheets at home. Like literally I used to print out sheets of like grammar mistakes and I just sit and correct them all day. Like, I'm obsessed with, like, English. Wow. English language. Yeah, my real nerd just came out there. I'm going to just, like, reel her back in. That was not Baby Queen. I don't know who that was. That was someone might else. send you uh, some of the Vocal Girls articles and you can help us edit them. Oh, <laughs> literally. You know what? I should have been some sort of writer or some sort of editor. You know what I mean? I feel like my skills are really wasted here. And no one's realizing. I'm like, look at the grammatical perfection of my <laughs> lyrics. Except there's a problem in Buzzkill. Okay. Okay, this... No, but, like, I've never told anyone this. Oh, no, I'm not going to listen to the same anymore. <laughs> no, it, it breaks my heart. Like, should I do it? I'm just going to do it. Okay, so... <clears throat> oh, boy, here comes the killjoy. Chill the fuck out. No, wait, it's not that part yet. Okay, my biggest flaws are total lack of self-control. I have a sinus that I can't... Because I only had a drink to escape my thoughts. Saying flaws that make you special, they just make you flawed. It doesn't kill you, makes you wish that it had. And good things happen to people that are bad. So when the party came to life... I wish I'd stayed in bed, but when I went to say goodbye, all of my friends said, so when the party came to life, I wish I had stayed in bed. It should have been, so when the party came to life, I wished I had stayed in bed. (laughs) You don't understand how much that kills me. Every single day I think about that. And... (laughs) No, like, my manager's laughing. (laughs) It, it, It drives me fucking insane and the other one that drives me insane is like in wannabe like the bullies all the bullies that made fun of my hoodies the bullies who it's supposed to be the bullies who <laughs> oh my god like it drives me insane it drives me insane. Really no one would... you. i'm not great at, i'm not great at grammar i like the content but the grammar i'm not so good at so yeah yeah no, i'm if you're looking for a role <laughs> yeah i am actually i've been wanting to quit this job for a while <laughs> yeah i thought so yeah. not going too well yeah. <laughs> my biggest flaw is a total lack of self-control i have a sadness that i can't console i only had a drink to escape my thoughts saying flaws don't make you special they just make you flawed what doesn't kill you makes you wish that it had and good things happen to people that are bad so when the party came to life i wish it stayed in bed but when i went to say goodbye all of my friends said I was going to say, because obviously a lot of that song is about the kind of um, disillusionment with the world, um, as opposed to, well, it's a very personal experience, but also kind of at the rest of society and what's going on and just frustration with it all. Do you feel compelled to write about what's going on around you as well as your kind of internal experiences? Yeah, I feel like... um... I feel like 
I like the songs the most that are observational. Yeah. But I think that there's a very fine line to tread of making an observation or shitting on society <laughs> and then taking responsibility for your part in the yeah. shit society. Because, like, in internet religion, that's why we have to go, I like me yeah. better when I'm online. I can create myself because I'm so so immersed in the state of how things are. I'm like the perfect, I'm the perfect example of like these things that I hate. Do you know what I mean? And these yeah. like really narcissistic tendencies that we have and the self-obsession and the insecurity and all of these things about social media and I'm just exactly that. But that's it. Like it fuels the guilt even more. It fuels your like yeah. hatred because then you have some self-hatred twisted yeah. into it because you're like why the fuck am I part of this if I hate it so much but I can't help it because and then I'm left behind it. no exactly and and I also love it yeah. and I think that's <laughs> the thing it's like that's this is why the internet fascinates me so much as a topic because you can you can hate something and be obsessed with it at the same time and I find our relationship with the internet to be the most fascinating thing in the world. Mm. Because to think about where that's gonna go and to think about how we have been, we have evolved as a society and as a human race and and the internet has evolved us. Like it has changed us. We've created something and it has ultimately ended up changing us. Yeah. And it's fucking crazy. But yeah, I mean, I do, I like, I like those kind of songs. I feel like my album, That's My Mission, is to make make every song mean something because I feel like there is a lot to say. And sometimes I think I've said it all. Like, there's no more songs to find. But there always is something else to say. Yeah. There's a lot of shit going on, you know? But then it also has to be authentic. And, like, if I'm being honest, I don't really care about anything. Mm. So that's you've got to say that as well. You've got to say, like, I'm an apathetic shitbag because... You can't, I can't pretend to like give a shit. I mean, I give a shit, but like, I also don't. So, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, fuck, it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I read, I read this like really sort of wacky, controversial article, but sort of was quite interested by it. It was like, depression at the moment is like a completely natural reaction to the state of the world. Yeah. And it's not us being unwell, it's us reacting completely normally and rationally yeah. to what's going on and I was like I kind of love that because it is actually true that is so true if you don't have a depression and anxiety there's something wrong with you <laughs> you're evil <laughs> um you know what I think I think that how can you not and how can you not be on an internet that is constantly feeding you unrealistic expectations and unrealistic images of what you should be in comparison to your real life in comparison to the pressures that are put on young people to do something with their lives to be successful to be famous to be rich to be mm. all of these things everyone on tiktok is famous now everyone's famous everyone yeah. like your dogs are famous <laughs> there are famous dogs and cats all over the city Everyone is famous. It's crazy. They actually charge to be in content as well. Yeah, it's horrific. <laughs> and it's like, how if you're like if you're okay, no, you're not. Mm. You need to go and unpack that with a therapist. <laughs> you are emotionally blunting yourself. Like, <laughs> do you have a coping mechanism for 
when you feel frustrated and disillusioned and is there like a go-to for you in terms of dealing with that um i i i definitely you think that you figure it out and then you have a, a meltdown i had a breakdown last year where i couldn't get off my couch i couldn't like i couldn't move and i wouldn't eat or anything and i was like i can't like i can't exist under this i was like i can't be online in this way like I can't just like the identity thing that I've got with baby queen with the internet with every, yeah. with everything like totally it's a lot, there's a lot of pressure yeah. that I put on myself as well so I mean like I'm sure I'm gonna have a bigger breakdown that I've ever had before and it's still upcoming like I'm sure I don't have the answers but there are things that the the main thing for me is to continuously create because if I haven't written music for four months, mm. you think what is the purpose of what I'm doing? Am I even that good? Or like I've got imposter syndrome, so it's like if you're constantly creating stuff that makes you feel like you're adding something to the world, then that gives you purpose. And I think purpose is the biggest thing. Yeah. Feeling like as a human being, like for me, it's like obviously like I'm a musician, whatever, but like having purpose of feeling like there's a reason I'm getting out of bed today because there's a reason like I'm adding I'm adding value to something and it can be anything you want to feel like like you're important uh, in some sort of way um so I think that that's a big thing for me routine as much as like I mean I don't have a routine what I would do is have a routine if I wanted to not be depressed which I don't obviously because I don't have a routine <laughs> then um I think having uh, interpersonal relationships like strong relationships with other people that you genuinely love not a lot of relationships like really really good quality relationships with people um, those are the things that, that I think like purpose quality relationships proper love like proper love in your life like proper friendships and proper good relationships Yeah, and like like having some sort of routine and trying to exercise, which I don't do. And then, you know, also just trying to like spend time away from your phone, which I'm horrific at, but I kind of like, sometimes my cousin will like lock my phone in, t in the basement, which we did that, that night of Olivia Rodrigo when I announced it. The whole thing was, I'm locking my phone away. And I had the that best night sensible. ever. Yeah. It was brilliant, like best night, literally, best night I've had in months so I guess that could be quite good <laughs> only did it that one time <laughs> yeah you picked uh, your song for the future can you tell me what it was please so my song for the future is also kind of my song for the past and my song for the present and the song for the rest of my life because this is a song that you know you can love a song in your life and within three years it comes on and you're like, please no. Like, you know what I've I mean? I've this too much it's already. Too, it's too annoying and it's too, like, you don't like it. It's an, it's annoying. This is the one song that I've consistently, over years and years and years, like, it still comes on today. And I think, like, I just from that first, like, anyway, I'm going to say the name of the song. It's on Melancholy Hill by the Gorillas, And, um... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it honestly is my favourite song. I think I've had the best memories of my whole life listening to that song. We watched, me and my cousins watched 
the gorillas at Boardmasters and watched that song live and it was like I was oh, there my. last year watching that as well oh my god <laughs> so everyone good. getting COVID in the crowd <laughs> but that song is my song for the future because it's the one song that I'm 100% sure that I will never get bored of and one of my favorite lyrics of all time is in that song and it is one of the most simple lyrics in the whole world but it, it, it breaks my heart like I don't even know if the writer intended it for it to be in this way or like if I'm reading it and in, like reading into it like my poetry teacher it's just this lyric you can't have what you want but you can have me and I was like, bro, it's just like... It's such a good lyric. It's insane. And I just like that song, It it's melancholy. That's what it is. Like On Melancholy Hill is like the most melancholy song. Like it takes you to, it gives you like hope. It gives you happiness. It gives you thoughtfulness. It gives you, yeah, it's just my favorite song in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it then? I like it, yeah. So basically, I like the song. It's quite cool. <laughs> No, it is great. And it has, you're right, it's got all sort of different emotions to it. It has the sadness as well, doesn't it? It does. And I love songs like that. I love, and I think that is a big thing in Baby Queen music, like Royal Thoughts, for example. It's like these songs that are, if you removed a lot of it, it would be a happy sounding song. Yeah. But like with everything and the lyric in there and the whole way that you, you, you organize the topography of the song, it, it it ends up being painful, but you're dancing, but it's painful. And that's my favorite kind of song. Like, you're dancing, but you're crying at the same time. Yeah. That's like the best. It kind of feels, yeah, I guess it kind of feels a bit like Buzzkill. It's, yeah. it's almost like <laughs> yeah. you're at a party, but you're really sad. You're supposed to be happy, but you're still feeling shit. Yeah. Like yeah. there's beauty in pain. Yeah. That's, that's what On Melancholy Hill says. It says that like pain is beautiful. And there is no beautiful experience of life without pain. Like that's yeah. what I that's what I feel when I listen to that. Yeah, you can't have not the strictly. Highest highs without I don't strictly <laughs> put that song on and think pain like beauty, but like <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> so we can't end this podcast without talking about your upcoming tours. So you've got your own headline tour in April. True. And then. You are supporting Olivia Rodrigo on the European leg of her tour. Sounds fake, but also true. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you feeling about both of these? Do you get nervous? It doesn't feel... I mean, when I saw the Olivia Rodrigo tour poster, I was like kind of convinced in my mind that I'd like Photoshop my name onto the poster. (laughs) Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Um, uh, I mean, it's so like... I don't think it's gonna hit, it's not happening. Do you know what I mean? In my head, it's like, this is happening, but also it's like, even with my own tour, it's like, am I like, do you know what I mean? It's just really weird. (laughs) But, but I think, I think I'm, you know, I love, there's nothing I love more than being on stage, which I didn't know until recently. And when I played those festival shows, I was like, I just can't lose this feeling. Like, this is the best thing in the whole world. And I think that if I said to people a lot, if I got to do this every day, I'd never be depressed again. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'll let you know. But um, I'm I'm so excited. I I wasn't ever able to travel because I was so broke. And then obviously when I got a bit of money, um, there was COVID. So this is going to be like, 
I mean, I'm going to be like, I'm, I've barely been anywhere in Europe or even around the UK. I haven't been anywhere. So like I was strictly stuck in London. Like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing. I, I just want to stay happy because it's the same thing like that we were saying in the beginning, like try and live in the present because yeah. that, that, this could be like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be, but it could be like the only tour that I ever go on. I could like fail and crash and burn. And then you spent that whole tour thinking about the what next you wanted, one. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't. That could be that could be the best experience of my life. That could be it for me. That could be the peak. And I mean, I, it's a pretty good peak, even if it I mean, is. It's a lit peak. Like, I'm happy with that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, take the money and run. Like, you know those shows? That's like, would you like to keep going? Or would you like to take the money and run? I'm almost like, give me that 100k and let me, like, run off into the sunset and start a new life. Like, <laughs> you, When you were saying the being on stage is the best high ever, I was thinking about this and I was wondering, what's it like to go on stage when you yourself are feeling down because like obviously it's quite an out of your comfort zone situation is it horrific ha- is it horrific and i'm the worst like i get into a mood and that's it like and i'll get and it doesn't happen very often um and it's usually like if i'm feeling insecure either about my voice is a big one if i feel insecure about that or if i feel insecure about the way i look right and because you can't hide no you can't like that's it like you know what i mean everyone's gonna yeah. see you in that way and the, you can't hide from videos like you can hide in pictures sort of you can like angle yeah. your face in the right direction but you can't hide in videos when you're screaming to the crowd and they catch you with like a shot from under your nostrils like there's nothing you can do about that i can think of like specific like there was this one festival that i did like i don't know where it was but i was I was like really ill and it was horrific. It was, hor- I was I literally like get on this and it, this always happens. It's like at the moment I get on, I'm like, I want to get off. I want to get off. Yeah. And that happened at the second night of my Omera shows. Like I had one show then I had the middle show and I was so scared about losing my voice for the last show that I just, and that was the one that my label filmed. Like they filmed the whole show and like I can, I'm watching it and I'm like, she is pissed right now. I was like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it is really tough, but like, that's the thing people have paid to see the show or like people have paid to be there or you've been booked for a festival or something and like, you just have to do it, Yeah, you know, and it's not going to be your best show. It never will be. Sometimes you pull through. I was really, really, really hung over after Boardmasters and we played a festival the next day. And that was like, I pulled through. I don't fuck knows how. I don't know what I did, but I just thought fuck it baby queen persona yeah and I just like <laughs> screamed all the words out and it kind of went well but I hate it when you don't like a gig because everyone else can say that it's good but like if you walk off that stage and you feel like shit yeah it's horrific it's like a horrible feeling you feel like you've literally like embarrassed yourself yeah and yeah. I bet that oh, but they've all been brilliant but I know exactly when you're when you feel like shit, all you want to mm-hmm. do is be in your comfort zone hide from the world like don't want people to see you so that's why yeah, I want to ask exactly. that because I just can't imagine like and you can't hide like that's yeah. the thing like there's a certain like I've been hiding this December but like then the year starts and it's like if you get a spot you know that like there's going to be something coming up where you're going to be filmed or like you're going to yeah. be have a picture I don't even know how like someone like how does Dua Lipa do it because it's just cra- it's like 
like sometimes you don't want to be seen for two weeks yeah you know well, Personally, I don't want to be seen ever. Kidding. I'm a narcissist, so I want everyone. Well, to maybe look at me. like as you, as you said, with your your music, is it's kind of speaking the truth and being more real than the rest of the pop music out there. Maybe you should just see it like that and just be like, I'm gonna have bad days as well as good days, and that's better for people to see. That's the than thing. This perfect like, version of someone. You can't preach about being honest in music and then feel too insecure to be seen like fuck that like who cares if you don't like who why do i care why do i care it's so annoying but like oh but everyone does yeah i know it's just makes i'm trying to care less yeah i think we all are i me too (laughs) (laughs) so i ask everyone on this podcast um first thought is usually the best thought here if you could change one thing about the future what would it be Um, imagine if I was like, I would like everyone, I would like world poverty to end. Like, imagine <laughs> like I did that kind of answer. Um, you know what? Like the first thing that came to my head, although it's not necessarily how I feel now, I've like kind of got my head around it and changed the way that I feel. But I've really struggled with TikTok. I've really struggled with like TikTok being the future of the music industry. Yeah. That's been like so difficult for me. And like so difficult to see shit musicians yeah. go to the top of the charts because of TikTok. And and that's how music's being found now. And I've sort of like, I've sort of like spent more time on there and I like it a bit more now. Like I'm actually finding it fun, mm. but I don't want to look at anyone else's stuff because I've really, really struggled with that because for me, music has always was always meant to be talent and merit. Yeah, and I think that TikTok, as as amazing of a tool as it is, seriously, and like now I realize that like it levels the playing field, and it means that anyone I can get my music heard as much as anyone else. But it, you know, I guess it's just like. I mean, it's partly jealousy. There's a, there's a whole thing about this. It's partly like you're jealous that you're not succeeding. Do you know what I mean? But it it is it has been difficult for me to like come to terms with the fact that you have to exist on that platform that you didn't like. You I had years to figure Instagram out, like yeah. how to be cool on there or like how not to be a weirdo. Yeah. And then I signed and had to get TikTok, and I was a freak. Like I was a like I didn't know what I was doing. Like. And I think that that's been like difficult. What I would what I would say, what I would like to change is that I think it would be, I think that there are so many musicians that I love and I think are incredible that aren't getting yeah. the recognition that they deserve, you know, like. Because they're not doing all that everything yeah, social. There's so many young British musicians. I can think of so many that I, want to be as big as some of these kids that have blown up on TikTok and they they are so much better I mean I'm, mm. you sound like the thing is I hate because you sound like a sour no no bitch. no uh, yeah Do you know what I mean but I mean it has its music industry has literally changed within the last like two years yeah so it's it's strange so I I would want the music industry like labels industry to not get to look at true, true like talent and true storyline and like, fuck, I'm lucky I got signed before TikTok 
became a thing because I like who knows if anyone mm. do you know what I mean it's it's changed so much but what I would say is that like you can't replace vision and talent yeah that's it but I love TikTok love it love <laughs> it love it hey TikTok love you <laughs> I I'm, I've got one of those use profiles it's like user 9765 because I downloaded it and I just I don't know what to if do I'm expecting a fat follow from user <laughs> 96973 I need to get to 54k Stat before I get dropped. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank Ella. you. This, this has, has been, been so fun. fun honestly, I could talk to you all day. dude, I could sit here for the rest of my life. Like he's kicking us out at quarter past. We've got three more minutes. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, the amount of notes that I didn't touch on. Oh my god. So we could much go, to ask like, you. Like I could, I could ask you now. I could turn it around and be like, so. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with the incredible baby queen. I had so much fun talking to her as you probably heard don't forget you can still grab tickets for baby queen's tour in april so hopefully i will see you there if you enjoyed this episode please do share it with your friends and if you'd like to check out more about what we do at vocal girls you can find us at vocal girls club on instagram and twitter or at vocalgirls.com next week i have the incredible genre blending artist priya ragu so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that episode dropping next week I've been your host, Megan Gray. This is the Vocal Girls Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.